Bible Day is part two of our series called Life in HD. And in case you weren't with us last week, we talked about how, you remember when you were growing up, for many of you, I mean, some of your kids, you don't remember this, but remember our standard definition television with the rabbit ears and everything? And eventually it led way to, to cable, and we thought, wow, this is great. It's not going to get much better than this. But then all of a sudden, HD TV came out, and we were like, glory to God in the highest peace on earth, <laughs> goodwill to all men, right? HDTV, all of a sudden, this super sharp clarity. You could see things that you had never seen before. What we talked about last week as we got the series started was life is sort of the same way. There's sometimes when you're, you're going through life and life seems to be really, really good and you think it can't get much better than this. And God comes along and he says, look, I, I've got HD living for you. I've got something even better. I'm going to bring you more clarity to your life than what you've ever, ever had. And so what we're doing through this series is we're just taking a couple weeks and we're looking at just a few of the principles where God says, look, here's what standard definition is, but here's what HD living would look like. And to do this, we're going through the New Testament book of Philippians. And so if you've got a Bible this morning, you want to turn to Philippians chapter 2, that's where we're going to hang out this morning. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures will be on the screen for you. They're also there in your program. You can also pull out your smartphones, download the Version app, and you can find all the scriptures there. And by the way, if you need a Bible, we give them away for free out in the lobby uh, at the end of today's experience. As you're turning there, let me just share with you a little bit of what we looked at last week. We, we went through Philippians chapter 1. And it's written by the Apostle Paul. Paul's sitting in a Roman prison as he's writing this. He's chained to a guard. And basically, standard definition of living says that when you're suffering, when you have bad things coming your way, you should whine and complain and grumble about it, have a sort of woe is me attitude. But Paul writes that, look, it doesn't matter what you're chained to. In this case, he was literally chained to someone. He says, it doesn't matter who or what you're chained to in life, you need to have joy. You need to allow God to take what Satan has meant for evil and now turn it around and, and use it for good. And so last week we, we saw that difference between SD living, what the world says to do, and HD living, what God instructs us to do. Today we're going to continue then with Philippians chapter 2. And let me give you what the sort of the, the world's version is, the, the standard definition of success. The standard definition of success is Look out for yourself. Look out for good old number one. Do what you need to do in order to get ahead. But what God's going to say to us here this morning through the words here of the Apostle Paul is, you know what, if you live that way, you're just going to live a life full of pride. And we can't be that way. We've got to learn how to humble ourselves. And so that's what Paul's going to do here is he's going to tell us how is it that we change our thinking. That's the, the whole focus here of Philippians chapter 2, is, is changing your, your mind, changing your thinking. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been sort of dead set in the way that you thought about something, but then you sort of realized, maybe I'm wrong, and you were trying to change your thinking on the subject, but you found that eh, it was a little difficult to do, right? Yeah, it, it can be hard to do. What we need is the proper motivation. It sort of reminds me, there was this guy he writes a letter to his ex-fiance. He says, my dearest Sally, since I broke off our engagement, life has been miserable. I'm lonely. I miss you so much. I was such a jerk. I made such a mistake breaking off our engagement. Could you ever forgive me? 
I want you back. I love you. I need you. There's no other woman on this planet that could fulfill everything that I need in life. Please, please take me back. Love, John. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. Sometimes you just need the, the proper motivation to change your mind. Now, in that case, that's the wrong type of motivation, right? Because that's still making it all about himself. What we need to find is, what, what is God's motivation for us? How, how can we change from this, this sort of prideful thing that we do where it's all about me and all about what I want, all about what I need? How do we change that according to God's word? Well, that's what we're going to look at here this morning as we go through Philippians chapter 2. Paul's going to give us three different ways that we can change our mind. So if you're taking notes here this morning, the first way is this. I must become like-minded with other followers. Now let me give you a little bit more context, again, based on what we looked at last week. The Apostle Paul is writing this. He had started a church in the city of Philippi. It was the, the first church in Europe. He had started this church. He was the pastor there for seven years. And then after seven years, God called him off to start other churches, start other ministries. And so Paul leaves. And now it's four years later, and Paul finds himself there in this Roman prison, chained to a guard, like I mentioned earlier. And so there he is, and he's sort of stuck in this situation. Again, if, if you want to know how to, to get through the, the times that you feel chained down, listen to last week's message. It's online. But the church there in Philippi, they decide, you know what, we, we love our former pastor so much that we're going to take up an offering, we're going to take up a collection, and we're going to send it off to him to help him with legal fees or food or, you know, whatever. And so they take up this offering, they give it to one of the leaders there at the church, his name is Epaphroditus, and they send Epaphroditus off to find Paul. So when Epaphroditus gets there, he gives the offering to Paul, and of course, you know, he wants an update on how Paul's doing because he's going to take it back to the church in Philippi, but... Paul probably also wanted an update on how's the church doing? How's things going there in, in Philippi? And there must have been something that Epaphroditus shared with Paul because Paul has a, a little bit of a concern about this church. And that's where we'll pick it up. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, we read this. Paul says, If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Be what? Be, be like-minded. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Almost in sort of a, a poetic way here, Paul encourages them to be like-minded. Now notice he doesn't say same-minded. He doesn't say, I want all of you to be exactly the same. I want you to completely lose all of your uniqueness. He doesn't say that. That's not the goal as followers of Jesus is for all of us to become exactly alike. Somebody once said it this way. If two people are exactly alike, one person isn't needed. Right? So we need to have our unique characteristics. But Paul here says, look, you need to be like-minded. In other words, we need to be united as followers around the things that truly matter. In other words, overlook our petty little differences and learn to agree about the big stuff. And as followers of Jesus, what is the big stuff? What is it that every single person that calls themselves a follower of Jesus, what do we all need to agree on? Well, there's some basic tenets of the faith. Let me cover just a couple of them. We believe that 
Jesus was God in the flesh. We believe that Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life. We believe that, believe that Jesus died on the cross. We believe that he rose again from the dead. And because of his death, because of his resurrection, we can be forgiven of our sin. It's not about us and what we can do to earn our way into God's favor. No, the only way our sin can be forgiven is because of Jesus' shed blood there on the cross. And he proved that he truly had the power to do that because he rose again from the dead, that he truly is God. We believe that as followers of Jesus, it's our call to go share that good news with other people, that none of us are to keep that to ourselves. Now, again, that's just a, a couple of things that every church, every denomination, every Christian, we all believe those things in common. And so we need to be willing to, to overlook our differences. Even amongst our church here at Exponential, we need to be able to overlook any differences that we have with other people. We've got to find our common core, our common mission. See, what unites us should be so great that it just, the, the, the little differences, they just pale in comparison. And we've got to learn that, you know what, we're, we're called to be a family together and with one another. Sort of like how the, the military does it. You know, when you go off to the, the military and you go through boot camp, your drill instructor, what they're doing is they're sort of tearing you down. Now, you're still going to be unique, but yet what they want you to do is not have self-identity anymore. They want you to have a group identity. They're, they're forming a, a, a team amongst you. And all of a sudden, the, the squad, the platoon, the unit that you're in, that becomes far more important than anything for me personally. The good of all is more than the, the good of one. See, that's what Jesus calls us to as a church. He, he calls us to, to come together as, as one, to be unified. That we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, how many of you have a a physical brother or sister. You have one? Yeah, most of us do. My sister happens to be here today. Hey. <laughs> love you. Now, I just said I loved her, but hey, let's be honest. <laughs> there was times that we didn't get along when we were kids, right? That we had our disagreements. But you know what bound us together? What bound us together was blood. What bound us together was our last name that we had in common. That we could be at each other's throats, but if somebody else came against her, guess what? All of a sudden, I was on her team and vice versa. And see, that's what we're called to be as, as followers of Jesus. That yes, we're going to be unique. Yes, we're going to be different. Yes, there's going to be little things that we don't quite see eye to eye with one another. But what unites us is the name of Jesus. That's the banner under which we live. And see, this is so important that we learn to be like-minded in this way. Because people who are far from God, they're watching us. They're looking to us to see, you know, can these Christians get along or not? And guess what? Most of the time the answer is no. And so you see amongst churches infighting, and you see amongst churches and communities and, and denominations that they're fighting, you know, over things like, you know, contemporary music or traditional music. Do we wear suits and ties or do we wear jeans and t-shirts? 
when it comes to theological things. You know, the, the rapture, is it pre-trib? Is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? Do we use only the King James Version only in the Bible, or are we allowed to use something else? And so we as Christians, we, we get in these stupid, petty little arguments about all kinds of things that really simply don't matter. They don't matter. What matters is that Jesus is God, that Jesus died on the cross in, in payment for our sins. These are the things that matter. I mean, think of it as a person out in the world. If, if you saw all these Christians that they're just fighting amongst themselves, why would you want to come in and be a part of that? Think about it. They're like, you know what? My own family is dysfunctional enough. I don't need to go be a part of another family that's dysfunctional. <laughs> and so we've got to learn to be like-minded. Jesus said it this way, a new command I give you, love one another. And the reason that he said that was this. He said, that's what's going to be proof to the world that you're truly my disciples. And so I, I'm just even speaking just to us amongst exponential here. Again, there's going to be uniquenesses. There's going to be petty little differences and stuff. And that's okay. But be quick to forgive. Be quick to repent if you're the one that hurt somebody else here. Be quick not to just have your opinion be the most important opinion. Look at that common mission, the common unity that we're all to have with one another. So number one, be like-minded. Number two then, I must become humble-minded. And Paul here, he's going to start to write something, and we'll look at the rest of it a little bit later. But he's going to write some of the most profound words over the next six or eight verses or so here. But we'll start with just verses 3 and 4. He says, instead of being motivated by what? By selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should in, in humility be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only with your own interest, but about the interest of others as well. Now, someone once said this, True humility isn't thinking less of yourself. True humility is thinking about yourself less. Say that again. True humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. If you're truly being humble, there's going to be less time for selfies. There's going to be less time for social media updates. There's going to be less time plotting and planning how I'm going to get ahead here. There's going to be less time being able to glance at yourself in the mirror because you're so busy out serving and helping and loving other people, showing this community that, look, you matter to God and you matter to me as well. And so we've got to learn how to do this, how to become humble Minded. Now, let me be clear about humility. A lot of people think that humility equals weakness. Humility equals you being a, a doormat, that you're going to get run all over. And that's not what I'm saying here this morning. You don't let people use you and abuse you. You can still have a life of your own. It's simply learning the value of placing others' interests and others' needs before your own. Now, as I mentioned to you last week, the, the theme throughout the book of Philippians is the word joy. And there's a, a great mural 
as you're coming out of downtown Harrisburg, heading up Market Street out of town, it's the one that would be on your right-hand side if you're coming out of town, and it's this mural, and it's the, an acrostic for the word joy. How many of you have ever seen what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Um, and it, it's an, this acrostic, it stands for uh, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Jesus, others, you. Jesus, others, you. Jesus, others, you. If you can keep that proper order of things that always put Jesus first, always put the needs of others second, and then think about yourself last, you're going to have success in this life. You won't live that standard definition of life anymore. You'll now be having a life of HD. Joy stands for Jesus, others, yourself. That's humility. That's humility. And this is one of the common themes throughout the New Testament, especially in the writings of Paul. He tells us, look, you need to be devoted to one another. You need to honor others more than you honor yourself. You need to serve others humbly in love. You need to submit yourselves one to another. You need to clothe yourselves in humility. And here in, in this passage in Philippians, Paul's talking about, okay, you need to be like-minded, you need to be humble-minded, and then he actually gives us the way to do it, and it's point number three there on your outline, and that is, I must become Christ-minded. You know, Jesus was the ultimate example of what it looks like to live humbly and to live selflessly. And there in Philippians 2, verse 5, Paul writes this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, what Paul's going to write next is mind-blowing if you can simply grasp your mind around what he's about to say. Now, before I actually read it to you, let me remind you of something. Jesus was fully God and fully man all at the same time. Now, again, that, for our minds, that, that's, that's difficult to, to comprehend. He's fully God, fully man all at the same time. The theological term for this, in case you're interested, is the hyperstatic union. Okay, like I said, you're probably not interested in that, but that's what it is, you know. There's your uh, little thing you can throw out at lunchtime to somebody. Well, you know, but fully God, fully man. And what we need to realize about Jesus was he was born as a baby. He grew into a teen. Eventually, he becomes an adult. Uh, Jesus, he, he has, you know, things that he's got to eat. He gets tired. He has to use the restroom. Um, you know, there, there's things that, you know, at one point he says, when he's talking about the end times, he's like, you know what? Only the Father knows the day or the hour that he's going to send me back. I don't even know that. Scripture says that Jesus grew in wisdom and he grew in, in stature. Now, what a lot of people would think is, well, then he became less of God then at that point. But that's not what happened at all. Remember, he was 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. But yet there's these times he says, I don't know these things. Or, you know what, I, I need to use the restroom right now. You know, you don't think of God, you have to use the, the restroom. So what, what was going on? Why is this? And again, this is just mind-blowing if, if you think about it. It's not that he was less of God. It's that he, in humility, decided that, you know what? I'm going to lay aside some of my privileges for a little bit. 
I'm going to lay aside a little bit of my power for a little bit. Now think about that. If you're God, how much humility does it take to say, you know what, I'm going to give up some of my knowledge and, and, and some of the sort of the rights that I have as God because I want to more closely relate to the people that I'm living amongst. Is this making sense? That God humbles himself so much so that he can become and, and relate to, to, to us. That is absolutely mind-blowing. And so if, if he was willing to humble himself in that way, and we're called to become more like him, then guess what? We need to have this, this same attitude, this same mindset. And so there in, in verse 5 again, Paul writes, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Then he continues on in verses 6 to 8, and he says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Essentially what Paul is saying here is, look, God humbled himself so much that he was willing to be born into this planet as a little baby. In fact, he was so humbled that he spent his very first night in an animal trough. That Jesus was so humble that even though he was God in the flesh, he spent all 33 and a half years of his life here on this planet serving other people. That Jesus was so humble that he was willing to give up his own life. He was willing to die, even if that meant death on a cross. Now here's why that's so important. Death on a cross... was not, not seen the way that we see it today. I want you to imagine this. Imagine you go out to lunch today, and you're, you're at lunch, and you notice that there's this guy sitting over at a, a table, and he has a sort of a gold chain around his neck, and on it is a little electric chair. Or on it is a guillotine. And he's wearing this as jewelry, these forms of execution. You're like, you sicko. What type of person wears, a, wears an electric chair? What type of person wears a, a guillotine around their neck? And what you need to understand is that for the people in Jesus' day and time, if they saw us today wearing crosses as jewelry, they would say the same thing. You sicko, what are you doing? Because to them, the cross, even though the, the, the Romans, they had all kinds of forms of execution, the cross was the lowest form of execution. This was reserved for the lowest of the low of the low. And what Paul's writing here is that Jesus humbled himself and was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to die even if it meant the cross. That's humility. So again, I... Hope you're starting to get a sense here this morning how much God humbled himself. And again, if that was his attitude, that, I, that I'm going to humble myself, then how can we be any different? 
what makes us think we can be different. No, I know what you're saying. But Gilbert, if I don't look out for good old number one here, if I don't get my way, if I don't push my agenda, I'm, I'm never going to get ahead then. I'll, I'll, I'll never have everything that I want. But let me introduce you to a little Greek word. It's an obscure word. Um, in fact, I did so much research on this, I'm not even sure Nate knows this one. It's, <laughs> he, he, he's our Greek guy, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, this little, it's this little tiny word. It's spelled U-R-R-O-N-G. U-R-R-O-N-G. And it's pronounced in English as you're wrong. <laughs> All right, I made that up. <laughs> but you're wrong. When you humble yourself, when you give your life to others, it's not going to hold you back. In fact, it's going to lift you up. You're going to get further ahead than if you just kept living life for yourself. Jesus put it this way. He said, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. In other words, whoever's the, the weakest, whoever's the, the least amongst you is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus humbles himself to the point that he's like, I'm willing to die even if it means death on a cross. And Paul says, let me tell you the result of that. Let me show you what happens when you selflessly give up your whole life to others. Look at verses 9 to 11. Paul writes, as a result, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's why this is important. In the day and time that Paul writes this, the greatest name on earth was the name of Nero. Nero was the Roman emperor and the emperor ruled Rome and Rome ruled all of the then known world. And for the Romans, they often saw their emperors as a god. And so they would bow down and worship Nero. They would shout songs of praise to him that Nero is Lord, Nero is Savior. Again, they, they basically worship this guy. And what Paul is writing here to this church in Philippi is, look, there is a name that's even above the name of Nero. There is a man that's even greater than what Nero is. And at the name of Jesus, one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Nero had to eventually bow the knee to Jesus. Hitler eventually had to bow the knee to Jesus. Every person that you think of in life they have to bow the knee to Jesus. And guess what? That includes you and it includes me. And so the big question here this morning is this. Are you going to bow your knee to him in worship that you are Lord and you are God? Is it going to be an act of worship? Or is it going to be an act of condemnation on yourself that you're going to get to judgment day one day and realize that you live this whole life for yourself? 
that it was all about you and what you wanted and you rejected his love and his grace and his forgiveness and now you have to bow down and say you are Lord and you are God and I've messed up and now I deserve punishment forever. See, I've said this so many times in the past. God does not send people to hell. You will go to hell because you chose to go there, not because God wanted you there. Again, Jesus died on the cross, so you don't have to do that. But one day, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue will confess. So are you going to bow as a friend of his, or are you going to bow as a foe? Are you going to bow today as an act of salvation, or are you going to wait until it's too late on the other side of the grave, and it's this act of condemnation upon yourself? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Here's my point. When it comes to this life, your name really doesn't matter. The only name that matters is the name of Jesus. And so you have got to ask yourself, every single time you're doing anything, is this lifting up my name or is this lifting up the name of Jesus? Is this trying to bring glory and honor to me or is this bringing glory and honor to him? Am I trying to make my name famous or his name more famous? Every single thing that you say, every single thing that you do, every single thing, run it through that filter because that's HD living. Again, standard definition that the world wants you to believe is look out for good old number one. Try to climb the ladder of success. Do what you need to do to get ahead. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. And Paul says to us here today, no, no, no. Be like-minded with one another. Have a, a common mission, a common purpose. Be humble-minded. Always look to the interests of others. Have the same attitude, have that same mindset as Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but he made himself nothing that needs to be us it's not about you it's all about him as Paul wraps up then in Philippians chapter 2 he gives some kind words to Epaphroditus and, and Timothy. But before he, he says those things, he gives us these timeless words that I'll conclude with today. Verses 14 and 15. Do everything without what? Without complaining and, and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live lean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Let's face it, we live in a world of crooked and perverse people people and he says look you need to shine bright Rihanna says shine bright like a diamond <laughs> Jesus says let my light shine through you be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden and so that that's what we need to do is humble ourselves bow our knee every day at the, at the throne of Jesus Say, here I am, all of me. So whatever it is that you'd have me to do, I'll do. Wherever it is you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever it is you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever it is you'd have me to give, I'll give. I'm here to serve others. That is HD living. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for this wisdom that we learn from the Apostle Paul here, that as he's writing this uh, letter to this church of people that, that he loves so much, he, he, he didn't realize at the time that here we would be 2,000 years later and we're still learning and we're still growing because of those words. And so we, we thank you for that. And, and we thank you that your spirit is here amongst us here today. You said that wherever two or three are gathered together and in your name, you're here in our midst. And so we, we thank you for that. And we thank you that your spirit has been speaking to, to each and every one of us. And that we've been able to, to sort of evaluate our own lives over this past half hour or 40 minutes as I've been speaking here of, who am I living for? Am I living for Jesus or am I living for myself? And Lord, I pray that your, your spirit has made crystal clear to each and every one of us that if we want to have the best life, if we want to have clarity, if we want to live the HD life, we've got to live for you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second thing we need to do is love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. So put Jesus first, others second, and ourselves last. Jesus, thank you that over these past seven years, as we've gathered together as Exponential, you have kept us very like-minded. We've had very little drama, and we thank you for that, and we pray that you would help us to continue to have that attitude that we're not concerned about the little peripheral things, but we're most concerned about Jesus and how can we serve this community more and more. And Lord, I, I, I pray that all of us, from me on down, every single one of us, that we would all learn how to be more humble that each and every one of us would keep our eyes open for opportunities to serve other people and learn from your model that you didn't come to be served, but you came to serve other people. And help us to have your, your mind, Jesus. Help us to have your, your attitude that, you know what? I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. Lord, I, I believe that if we could all just grasp this, I mean, wow. When we would be unified in that way and we're all being humble and we're all looking to the interest of others, wow, what a difference we can make in this community. So help us to be that. Help us not to be a roadblock to the, the community, but help us to be a, a light that draws people in. Father, use us in that way. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I mentioned a little bit ago that one day every knee is going to bow and, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And I also mentioned that our sins can't be forgiven unless we take them to, to Jesus. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough to, to earn God's favor and God's merit. The only thing we can do is say, Jesus, I've, I've messed up. I've, I've sinned against you. I need your forgiveness. I need your leadership in my life. So again, with every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning, if you're here today and you have never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come in and be the leader of your life, and you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven and spend eternity with him, that you would be bowing before him in worship and not in condemnation. If that's you here this morning, could you just raise your hand up nice and high so I can see it? I'll acknowledge it and then you can put it right back down. Anybody here? Yes, sir, down here. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I need your leadership. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I want to make you the, the leader, the Lord of my life. Anyone else here this morning? Jesus, forgive me. 
Give me a brand new life, a fresh start. All right, I don't see any other hands. If everybody could just join me in this prayer, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth, humbling yourself as a little infant. Thank you that you grew up and you lived a perfect and sinless life and then you died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. I acknowledge I haven't been perfect. I've messed up. And so I need your help. Show me areas of my life that are displeasing to you. And help me to turn from those things and live fully for you for all the days of my life. Jesus, we do thank you that you died on the cross and shed your blood so that we can have salvation, so that we can have the assurance of eternal life forever and the abundant life right here and right now. And so we, we thank you that just over the past seven years, we've seen literally now hundreds of people that have made that decision, and, and we just pray that you would continue to use us to, to reach more and more people for your kingdom and for your glory. So that it's not about us. It's not about this church. It's not about our mission, but it's about the capital C church, and it's about your kingdom and what we can do to advance it and just help people take next steps. And so, Lord, continue to, to use us in that way. And I pray all that in the name of Jesus.